Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. That being said, are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Okay, let's do that. Get out your uh, sermon notes. We are in the series. We just started it last week called Simplify, and um, it's about how, how to unclutter your life. This is, this is like a mass counseling session is what this is, everybody, because I've had this conversation with literally dozens upon dozens upon dozens of people who come into my office and say, Pastor, I've got this, and I've got this, and I've got this, and I've got this, and I don't know what to do about this, and this, and this, and and what I often tell people is my job as a counselor and as a pastor is just to help you simplify your life, just to get to the root of the issue, to get to the root of the, of the need or the conversation or the, the issue that you're having at work or the family, just to get to the heart of it, look to the Word of God and just live our lives in simplicity, you know, just to simplify, to declutter your heart and, and your mind. And I'm going to give you a, a sermon point before we go any further. Number one, write this down. This is what we're talking about today, that you're feeling overwhelmed, feeling cluttered is often the result of comparison. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It's, it, it, Andy Stanley calls it the comparison trap. Uh, Craig Rochelle calls it the, the race that you'll never win when it comes to comparison. And I'm going to break this down uh, uh, for you a little bit. Last week we talked about living in the land of over, living in the land of over, that a lot of people are overwhelmed and overcommitted and overextended and overscheduled. You just live in the land of over and you need to simplify. Well, oftentimes comparison is what makes you live in the land of over. Andy Stanley says that it's not just the land of over, he, he calls it the land of Ur, the land of Ur. But not you, Ur, like we see in the Old Testament, but the land of Ur, E-R, the land of Ur. It, it's a comparison trap, and it's, it's living with this idea of, well, I want to be wealthy, Ur. I want to be pretty, Ur. I want to be strong, Ur. I want to be, I, I, I want to be happy, Ur. Like, I just want to live in the land of like, I'm glad you got what you got, but I want more. In fact, another pastor said, it's not just the land of Ur, it's the land of Est. So I don't only want to be stronger, I want to be strongest. I don't only want to be wealthier, I want to be wealthiest. I don't only want to be prettier, I want to be prettiest. And it's this land of comparison, the land of Ur, and you're not supposed to live in it. That's not the place, you're not supposed to live in the land of Over, and you're not supposed to live in the land of Ur. And yet, for the entirety of our lives, we have been trained to live in the land of Ur. Like, you just look better, and so I'm, I want what you have. I want to look the way you look. I, I want to drive the, the, the type of car that you're driving or live in the type of house that you're living in. And it's this, this level of comparison. So let, let me give you an illustration of this. Because you've been trained at this, just like I was, at, at a very, very young age. So, so like in first grade and second grade, in fact, I looked for a picture, I couldn't find it. I, I have a, a, a picture of myself in first grade. Believe it or not, I used to be really skinny. I, I know it's hard to believe, but, but only as a, this, as a child, as a child. And, um, 
And I have a picture of me standing. It was like they, they picked one classmate, uh, 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 one person out of each class to come and hang a class ornament on the school Christmas tree. So in first grade, I'm standing there and they elected me to hold this ornament because I was the new kid in school. Here, you hold the ornament and then they took a picture and put it in the Sunday paper. My mom's here in the room. She'll remember this picture. And I just had to not only wear jeans, but I had to, we didn't have the Boy Scouts when I was growing up. We had the Royal Rangers, Royal Rangers. And I had my Royal Rangers shirt on, that khaki shirt with patches on it. I was a buckaroo, everybody. That was the name of me back then, a buckaroo. And, uh, and, and I remember looking at that picture like, how did, why did my mom let me dress like that, you know? Because when you're in first grade, you don't care, do you? First, second, third grade. But all of a sudden, you get fourth grade, fifth grade, and sixth grade. You start caring, don't you? Like, I remember now, this is my generation. Some of you are, you know, in your, in your 40s, maybe early 50s, you're going to remember this. In my generation, in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, at first of all, it was parachute pants. You had to wear parachute pants. How many of you remember parachute pants? Okay, but then, then at, at the same time, the, the fads were changing really quickly. After a while, it became, you had to wear a polo with a, little, with a little alligator on it. And I remember thinking, we could never afford that alligator shirt. It was like an Izod or a Lacoste or something like that. We could never afford that little alligator. And I just thought, well, if I could just find somebody who just, you know, gave away or Salvation Army, they gave away one of those alligators. I could just cut off that little alligator and have my mom sew it to one of my shirts so I could look cool too. But it never happened. One, one year, um, uh, we moved from parachute pants to camouflage pants. Everybody's cool. They were wearing camouflage pants, and I wanted a pair of camouflage pants. Well, that year we just couldn't afford it, and I didn't have it. Well, I begged my mom before the beginning of the school. You know how back in our days we used to buy you didn't buy clothes every day, every week, everybody. Like back in those days, it was you go get clothes right before the start of school, and you're going to wear them all year long. And and when it come Christmas time, we we got way more clothes than we did presents. Everybody, we just got clothes. How many got underwear every single year at Christmas? Every year. How many still get underwear every year at Christmas? I love it. I love it. I love it. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. And and. I begged my mom that summer, I want camouflage pants. Well, my mom, you know, she, she's a great mom. She went out and got me camouflage pants. And that, 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 that year at school, I couldn't wait to put those camouflage pants on. And I went to school. Well, the problem is I was the only one wearing them because the fad came and went and Justin didn't know about it. And everybody kept running into me all day saying, oh, I didn't see you there. I didn't see you there. You know, and oh, it's brutal, everybody. It's brutal. And you know, now, this is rural Oklahoma, north-central Oklahoma, where, um, uh, okay, so I remember, you know, all my friends wearing Levi's and stuff like that. I, I remember that, 501s, remember the button-ups, you know? But, but in rural Oklahoma, what the trend typically was, rural Oklahoma, Wranglers. You had to wear Wranglers. I mean, you had to have that little Wrangler tag, that little leather patch on, 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 the, on the back pocket. You know, how many know what I'm talking about, Wrangler jeans? Well, the problem with that is by this time, it was like in, in my pubescent years, and little skinny Justin wasn't skinny Justin anymore. Justin was getting bigger, and Justin couldn't fit his big old legs in Wrangler jeans, and so I had to wear huskies, everybody. I, it hurts me when you laugh like that, y'all. It hurts. still hurts. It's wounding me right now. 
Husky jeans. You know, nowadays, see, this generation doesn't know about that. We got skinny jeans, we got slim fit jeans, we got straight jeans, regular jeans, we got loose jeans, we got baggy jeans, we got bell bottom jeans, we got we got everything. Back then, it was just jeans. And if you were chunky, it had to be husky jeans. Well, I was so uncool, everybody. And I remember from a very young age, just like you, because you remember the, some of those stories too, don't you? Like third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, seventh grade, all of a sudden, things started to matter. My, my wife tells the story how she got teased one time because her mom sent her to a party with generic potato chips. And, and you know, generic today is not like the generic back then. For all you younger generation, you know, you're like, what's wrong with Kroger chips? That's no big, no, no, no. we're talking generic. Generic was like a white, a white bag or a white can with just black words on it. How many remember those days? Like it was just white and it said cheese, you know, that was it. Like chips, that was it. You, you know what I'm talking about? And remember how embarrassing that was? And yet we had generic all the time. See, see, moms and dads, this generation don't know. They don't know. They don't know what real life was like. They got it so easy these days. And my wife still tells that story. So at a young age, no doubt you have those stories too, where you started comparing yourself with other people in your generation. And let's face the fact that it probably hasn't stopped. And in fact, that comparison in your life has actually brought clutter to your life. Because Instead of just simplifying your life and being grateful for what you have, you just want more. You, you just have your eyes on other people and what they have, and you think, hey, if they have that, I want that. If they're wealthy, I want to be wealthier. If they're strong, I want to be stronger. If they're pretty, I want to be prettier. And can I tell you, we live in a culture that promotes it now like never before, and it's called social media. Because you know how it is. You open up Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest or whatever it is, and all of a sudden you see people posting pictures of their perfect life, and all of a sudden this idea hits you that is not from God to dress your family in khakis and white t-shirts and make a trip down to the beach to get your picture with all of you guys wading in the water, all looking perfectly so you can post it on social media. Can I, can I tell you something? That even in our generation, even at our age, no matter how old you are, you're still going to struggle with this idea of comparison. Can I tell you what Andy Stanley says, as I've already said, a comparison trap? And it is a trap. In that, you'll never win. There is no winner in comparison. Because once you get something, once you get that brand new car, two years later, they're going to come out with a different model. And you're going to want that one. Because so-and-so has that, or you saw it, and you, wow, that looks really nice. And the, the car that you just had to have a few years ago, all of a sudden, you're still making payments on, but you don't want anymore. Why? Because everything changes so very quickly. And you know it. You know where you struggle. And I'm going to show you this in Scripture. You know, the good news is, you're not the only one that struggles with comparison. I'm not the only one that struggles with comparison. Did you know the disciples struggled with it, too? In fact, John, as he's writing the, the book of John, which we'll study in a second, he's talking about, he's talking about um, going to the empty tomb, and he keeps saying, you know, in, in third-person form, oh, you know, the one who outran Peter. You know, the one that was at the tomb first, and what he's saying was, well, I beat him. I beat him. And now we see this in John chapter 21. Now, at this point, Jesus is still supposed to be in the grave, but he was already, he's been raised to life, everybody. 
And so we find this, that Jesus is out of the grave. He's already starting to do the miracles. And, and remember, Peter ended up having a really rough day on the night that Jesus was betrayed and taken in. He ended up denying Christ, and Jesus is restoring him into ministry. And Jesus is looking at Peter saying, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, well, of course I love you. Jesus says, well, feed my sheep. And then he asks him again, Peter, do you love me? Well, Jesus, you know I love you. And Jesus says, well, feed my sheep. And Jesus says a third time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's getting just exhausted at this point with the question, of oh, Jesus, of course you know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. And that's where we pick up John chapter 21, verse 18. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, Jesus said. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, hey, Peter, follow me. So he goes from, hey, Peter, do you love me? Well, of course I do. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, we'll feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Oh, and by the way, you're going to glorify me, but in a way that you're not going to want to. And on that day, Peter, look into my eyes, buddy. Follow me. I want you to follow me. He says, Peter, all eyes on me. We talked about that last week. All eyes on me. Right after he says that, Peter, Peter, hey, hey, listen, Peter, all eyes on me. Peter turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the Last Supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? So right at the moment where Jesus said, hey, Peter, all eyes on me, follow me. At that moment, Peter says, okay, and he looks away. And he says, when Peter saw John, he asked, Lord, what about him? Yeah, but, but okay, Jesus, I'll, I'll follow you, but what about, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Hey, hey, Peter, you must follow me. Hey, Peter, I'm not talking about John right now. I'm talking about you. And I'm telling you, all eyes on me. All eyes on me. What he's saying is, Peter, I want you to stay in your lane. I want you to fulfill the purpose that I have called you to. The purpose that I'm calling John to, that's a separate conversation between me and him. I'm not talking about John. I'm talking about you. Peter, stay in your lane. All eyes on me. Stop looking over your shoulder. I was thinking about this. Now, this might su surprise some of you. But back in my, my junior high years, high school years, I didn't run track. That was not my sport. Uh, I think the reason is obvious. 
I had I was in shot put, discus, but how many know the coach didn't want me running on the track, right? He just wanted me in the weight room. And yet I remember my coach telling all of the other runners, stay in your lane. And the moment you look to the left, the moment you look to the right, the moment you look at the competition, it's going to slow you down. I don't want you to look around. I don't want to look, I, I don't want you to look to see if you're beating everybody or who's beating you. I just want you to stay in your lane, stay focused, because you're not competing against them. You're actually just competing against yourself. Like it doesn't matter what they're doing, you're going to do your best. You're going to do what I've coached you to do. Your aim is on the finish line, it's not on your competitors. And the same is true for us, everybody, that our aim is supposed to be on the finish line. We run the race to win the prize, the apostle says. That our eyes are supposed to be on the finish line, not on the competition, because in the kingdom of God, there is no competition. There's not supposed to be. There is no comparison, or at least there's not supposed to be. Our eyes are supposed to be fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ, all eyes on Jesus. And yet we have this tendency since we were children to compare ourselves with everybody else. And the problem with that, nobody wins. Because the line, the goal, the finish is always moving. Well, I would be happy if I had that. And then you go get that. And then a week later, a month later, a year later, it's something else. The line has moved. Because when you live a life of comparison, you never win. You never win. Let me show you another portion of Scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse 4. It says, this very wise man said, listen, I, I see that all the toil and all of the achievement, they, it just springs from one person's envy of another. Like all of this moving around, all of this like, like positioning yourself, striving ahead, that wanting to gain, wanting to live in the land of Ur, it's because you're actually looking at everybody else. Your eyes are on Everybody else, you envy everybody else and what they have. And he says, by the way, if you live life like that, this too is meaningless. It's, it's chasing after the wind, meaning it's just futile. You never win at that. It's useless. It makes no sense. And somehow, as I'm saying this to you today, you know that to be true. You know I'm telling you the truth. If I tell yourself, if I tell all of us in this room, hey, listen, don't, your, don't live your life in comparison to other people. Run your race. You know that that's wisdom. I don't have to convince you of that. And yet we still struggle with it because it makes us feel like we're being successful. It makes us feel like we're making progress. It makes us feel like we're winning at life. And he says, listen, if you live life like that, it's futile. It's meaningless. You're actually making no progress whatsoever. And then he goes on to say in verse 5, 
fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Let's just stop right there for a second. So the first option is you can live your life in comparison and in envy, striving for everything that you want that everybody else might have but you don't have, so you're going you're gonna to earn it, you're going to work for it, you're going to achieve it, and it's based on envy. He said the other side of it is a lot of people just fold their hands. They're just sitting in the rocking chair on the front porch, not doing a thing. They're just lazy. And he's saying, actually, that's not good either. The first option is comparing yourself and striving over things that don't really matter. The second option is just not doing a thing. He says, that's not wise. In fact, that's foolish. And he gives you the third option. In fact, he gives you the best option. Watch what he says in verse 6. Better one handful with tranquility, with contentment and peace. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Meaning there's, there, is this, there is this third option, and that's what we're talking about today. Not to live your life comparing yourself with others and being envious and being jealous and striving for more, but it's certainly not being lazy either. It's actually saying, having one handful of tranquility, of contentment and peace is better than two handfuls of toil. Meaning there's a balance where you can live your life being faithful, following the Lord, being obedient to the Lord, and living a life of contentment in him. Keeping your eyes on Jesus. Fulfilling your purpose in life. I'm going I'm to teach you a few things about this. There, there's a lot of people that, when you live in this, this realm of comparison, that you view success based upon the success of others. You, that, that your success is based upon others' success. So if other people are successful, then you want what they have or you want better than they have in order for you to view yourself as being successful. But number two, write this down, that comparison is both a liar and a thief. Comparison is both a liar and a thief. Comparison is a lie. And here's the lie. If I don't live up to the success, in quotes, the success I see in others, then I must not be a success. That is a lie. It's, it's, it's Peter saying, okay, Jesus, I hear you. I, I need to follow you, but what about him? And Jesus says, no, I'm not talking about John. I'm talking about you. I want to talk with you. I have a purpose on your life. I have a calling upon your life. This isn't about John. This is about you. This is about you. And yet... The lie is, if I don't live up to the success I see in others, then I must not be a success. Let me ask you a question. Well, who determines that their lives are successful? What if they have completely ignored the call of God upon their life, and yet they have every toy that you would like to have? Are they successful? And I would say to you, the obvious answer is no. 
The Bible says it this way. What gain is it? What, 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 what benefit is it if you gain the entire world and lose your soul? What, what benefit is it? Like, you're only thinking temporary thoughts. You're not thinking eternal thoughts. And to believe that is a lie. That your success is based upon the success of others. And, and comparison is a thief because you'll suffer loss. What you do is you, you suffer the loss of joy. You suffer the loss of contentment. You suffer the loss of peace. That it, Those things are stolen from you. In fact, number three, write this down. That comparison crushes contentment. That's what it does. Comparison will crush your contentment. Craig Rochelle says it leads to feeling superior or inferior, neither of which are godly. Because if you live the comparison game and you're always trying to get better, wealthier, happier, stronger, faster, better looking-er, that's a trap. You'll never win it. The line is always moving. What he's saying is, if you see that you're winning at comparison, you're going to feel superior. But it's going to be pride. It's going to be vanity in you. Well, that's not from God. God opposes the proud. So that's not godly. At the same point, if you're playing the comparison game and you see other people winning, winning in places that you're not, you're going to feel inferior And that's not the heart of God either because you're not meant to live a life of low self-worth or low self-esteem. So if you play the comparison game, you're either going to deal with pride and vanity or you're going to deal with low self-worth. How do either of those things benefit your life? And you know what I'm saying is true. You know it. You know that, that it doesn't make sense and yet you've been tempted with it since you were a child just like me. And it's hard to give up. It's this tension in your life. And it's creating clutter because you're striving after things that you weren't designed to strive for. You want things to be perfect. You want to have all of this stuff because you think that that's what being successful is all about. And I'm here to tell you, it's not. It is not. Can I... Can I can I tell you something? Um, I think Charles and Alma are going to be back, if not this morning, the next week. Are they going to be here this morning, I think? Uh, they, they, there are missionaries down in the Yucatan. I don't know if they're here in the room. I haven't seen them as of yet. But Can, can I tell you something? Charles and Alma, they're some of the sweetest people that you'll ever meet. And, and they live part of the year in Mexico, just reaching this village that is so unreached making a difference down there, starting a church, starting a new song down there. Isn't that cool? And and if you were going to the house, they have a nice home. Very simple. They, they, if you know Alma, she keeps it. It's just great. It's always clean. Oh, she knows how to cook too. Woo. If, she, if Charles and Alma ever invite you over for dinner, you need to say yes. Okay, just go. Just trust me, just go. And I'm telling you something about them. They're living the dream. They are living 
the dream, and they're not living their life compared to whatever and how everybody else is living. They are staying in their lane. And Jesus, they've heard the call of Jesus say, follow me. And they just simply said, yes, Lord. And they're not concerned about stuff. They're just concerned about advancing the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And I'm so proud of people like Charles and Alma and so many of you that are just concerned about the call of God and your purpose in this life. So you got to simplify. Simplifying my life demands that one, fix your eyes on Jesus, not on others. You got to fix your eyes on Jesus, not on others. I love Galatians 6, 4 and 5. Pay careful attention to your own work, to your work. Get, get your eyes off of everybody else. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Can I tell you something? When it comes to comparison, I'm not responsible for you. I'm just responsible for me. I'm not responsible for how you live life. I'm responsible for how I live life. I'm responsible for how my family lives life. That's my responsibility. And you've heard me say this over and over and over again, that your response is your responsibility. I cannot, I cannot force you or make you quit the comparison game. I can't do it. That is your responsibility to stop comparing yourself and to let your life speak for itself. To let your life show what you're all about. That's your responsibility. I'm trying my best on my end just to listen to the Lord as he says, follow me. Are you? Or are you distracted by what everybody else has and what everybody, everybody else is doing? So I, I don't really know. Can I, can I, here's, a great, here's a great way to ask this, because this will help you know if you're doing it or not. Are you celebrating when other people are celebrating? Or are you secretly jealous when somebody else is celebrating? You know, I, I, you can call me Buckmaster today. You can do that today because a couple of days, couple of days ago, just saying, did you know the same? I, I saw I, I took a buck. Well, so the same night that I took one, I had somebody, a friend of mine text me the buck that he got. Woo. <laughs> Whoa. You know what I'm saying? And you know, the old Justin would have been, oh. How, how come I can't get a buck like that? What, what I put in my time, I've ever, can I tell you, I dropped that years and years ago. I've learned to celebrate with those who are celebrating. Is that, did you know the, the call of God is to do that? That we celebrate with those who celebrate and we mourn with those who mourn. That's how we, so if other people get a new car, say a big God bless you. Good for you. I'm so happy for you. That's your lane. That's not my lane. Come on, everybody. I'm so happy you got that big old buck. Apparently, that's your lane. That's not my lane. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I really, every year, I, I get people to give me pictures of big old bucks. And in my heart, I literally am saying, good for you. I'm so happy for you. 
because I stopped comparison a long time ago. It's just no, there's just no way, it's just a terrible way to live life. You'll never win. Am I helping you today, everybody? Can I tell you, James chapter 3, verse 16, for, whatever, for wherever there is jealousy, envy, selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. Is that the life that you want to live? When, when people look at you do, you, do you want them to see disorder? Do you want them to see evil? And all of us say, no, I don't want that. Okay, let's not live then with jealousy and envy and selfish ambition. Let's just stay in our lane and fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Simplifying your life demands that you be content with what you have. Write that down. You got to be content with what you have. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8 says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Like if you're content, you're wealthy. That's what the Bible says. If you live a life of contentment, you are wealthy. You're satisfied. After all, we bring nothing with us when we come into the world, and we, can take, we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. And so what I'm doing today, out of, out of the several hundred people in this room, can I tell you something? I should be looking at a group of people that are absolutely content because first of all, I know you're well fed. I don't see anybody in this room starving today. And I certainly praise the Lord I don't see anybody naked. Can I get a better amen, y'all? Where are I? Good, good, good. And the Bible says if you're not starving and you're clothed, you're meant to be content. You're meant to be satisfied because your life isn't supposed to be built on stuff. The, the, the foundation of your life is supposed to be the Lord Jesus Christ in which you are fully satisfied in him. That's how you're supposed to live life. So be content with what you have. And simplifying your life, Demands that you just fix your eyes on Jesus. Not only that, not only that you're just living a life of contentment, but you're allowing God to define your worth. There's a lot of people, they define their worth by, by what they own. They define their worth by what they look like. They define their worth by what they wear. They, they, they define the worth, their worth by what they achieve. I want, to, I want to ask you something. Are you allowing anything or anyone outside of our Heavenly Father to define your worth? Is your worth based upon what other people think about you? What a miserable life that is. Always trying to measure up to the standard of someone else. What a miserable life that is. And I know because I'm speaking from experience. Because I love it when everybody's happy with Justin. My wife and I, we had a serious conversation several years ago. Several years ago now, and she said, she said, and it really, it, it really got my attention. It hurt me, but it was a good hurt. And she said, Justin, it just feels like you want everybody to be happy more than you want me to be happy. You're serving others before you're serving me. 
and I'm your wife. Oh, you know why it hurts so bad? Because she was right. I was so interested in what everybody else thought of me that I lost my focus. Priorities got out of order. Clutter came into my life. And I realized I've got to simplify I've got to reprioritize my life. And we'll talk about that in the next week or two. We'll talk about how to prioritize your life. But can I tell you something? I was allowing people to define my worth instead of allowing God to define my worth. I want to show you this in scripture. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. I love this. What do you have? New song, what do you have that God hasn't given you? Seriously. What do you have that God hasn't given you? He's been so good. And and if everything you have is from God, then why boast as if it were not a gift? Why boast as if you had something to do with it? Like all of our boasting should be in the Lord Jesus Christ. All of our boasting should be in the Lord Jesus Christ. I got a word for you today. As, I, as I'm helping you simplify, as I'm helping you declutter your life, if I can help, see, see you got to change your mind before, your mind has to change before your life is changed. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if I can help, if I can help you by the Spirit of God be transformed in your mind, your life will reflect what's in your mind, what's in your thoughts. And the comparison game happens in your mind. And it brings clutter in your life. And I've got a word for you today. The first one is, stay in your lane. Stop looking around. All eyes on Jesus. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, follow me. Yeah, but what about John? I'm not talking about John. I'm talking about you. If Peter was in, I'm sorry, if Jesus was in this room right now and he could have a word with you today, he would look at you and he would say, hey, I don't want you thinking about them. I just want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. All eyes on me. Can I get an amen to that, everybody? Stay in your lane. It's the lane that that Jesus himself called you into. Stay in that lane. Can I tell you the next thing? Do your best. Do your best. That's what we're reading in Ecclesiastes. If you live your life comparing yourself to others, that's just foolishness. It's futile. It's a chasing after the wind. It's driven by selfish ambition and envy. Don't live life like that. But don't be lazy either. That's just foolishness. Do your best. With what God has given you, do your best. Can I tell you something else? Cut yourself some slack. Be gracious to you the way that you'd be gracious to others. I I, I tell ladies this all the time when they come in and they're just, they're so stressed and they're overwhelmed and I'm not a good wife and I'm not a good mom. I'm I'm just not good at anything. And I I sometimes ask them, hey, listen, who's your best friend? They'll tell me. If your best friend came in here today and said everything that you just said, what would you tell them? 
trouble, I, I would tell them, it's okay. You're doing your best. God's got this. It's going to work out. And I ask them, if you can tell your best friend that, how come you can't tell you that? If you can believe that for them, how come you cannot believe that for you? If you can show them grace, why are you not showing yourself some grace? God never expected you to be perfect. Just do your best. And, and the third thing is, so stay in your lane. Do your best. And just enjoy life. Enjoy your spouse. Enjoy your kids. Who cares if their shirts are buttoned up wrong? Or if they have a stain on their shirt, or if they get their shoes dirty right before they come to church. Who cares? Seriously, who cares? Just laugh it off and enjoy those moments because those are the precious moments that life is all about. Your kids don't care about your perfection, they care about your love. Stay in your lane. Do your best. Cut yourself some slack. And enjoy life. As Jesus said, you're meant to have a life that is an abundant life. Life to the full. A life that you can enjoy. I don't know about you. I want to enjoy my life. Can I tell you even something further? God wants you to enjoy your life. So release yourself. From comparison, just stay in your lane, do your best, and enjoy life. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your spouse. Enjoy your kids. Enjoy your extended family. Enjoy your co-workers. Enjoy your church family. Just enjoy life. Don't get caught up in this comparison race in which nobody wins. It's futile meaningless. Comparison breeds discontentment. Discontentment brings clutter. It brings messiness in your life. It brings goals into your life and your mind that you weren't, you weren't supposed to have because you start following after things other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's here today just saying, just follow me. Why don't you just follow me? All eyes on Jesus. Amen. Stand up with me. What a great word to all of us. I'm, I'm preaching to myself, everybody. I'm preaching, I'm preaching to myself. You know the number one question that pastors ask each other when they first meet? The number one question. How big is your church? It's the number one question. I, and I promise you, I'm not, you can ask any staff member here. The number one question when you meet another pastor, oh, what church are you from? Where, where are you at? How big, how big is that? What it is? Comparison. I go out of my way. Even if people ask me, I don't tell them. I don't tell them. Because it's going to produce superiority or inferiority. I don't want it. I don't want, I just want to be, I want to stay in my lane. I just want to stay in my lane and do what God has called me to do. Because I know that comparison is a liar and a thief. I don't want to live life like that. Do you? 
I'm gonna ask you a question. I try to ask this in every, every service, if at all possible. I wanna, I wanna give you an opportunity if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. I wanna tell you something. That a lot of people reach for things on the external thinking that will that it will satisfy the internal and the only thing the only one who truly satisfies is the Lord Jesus Christ and in him we are at peace we're satisfied and if you don't know Jesus you don't know what true satisfaction is all about you don't know what true peace is all about I'm gonna give you a chance today to make Jesus the Lord of your life would you bow your heads with me just for a moment if there's anybody in this room, I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. If there's anybody in this room, you, you don't know Jesus. You've never trusted your life to Jesus. It's so simple. The Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. You'll know what true satisfaction is all about. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, again, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to just raise your hand really high. Let me see who you are. That's all you have to do. Okay, you can put your hand down. I'm so proud of you. Is there anybody else? He's the one that really satisfies. Okay, for this one who raised their hand and maybe for people watching online, we're gonna pray a simple prayer. And if you raise your hand, it goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. And I know that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And I'm asking you, Jesus, as the Savior of the world, to save me, to forgive me of all of my sins, to cleanse me from every bit of unrighteousness, from every, everything in my life that isn't pure, that isn't right. I'm asking you to wash me clean. And today, Jesus, to the best of my ability, I surrender my life to you. And I thank you that according to your word, that I am saved by grace through faith. I thank you for saving me. And today, I know that I have been made new by the grace and the power of Jesus Christ, my Savior. And I welcome you into my life. Help me to follow you all of the days of my life, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, for the rest of you in this room, you struggle with comparison. You struggle with selfish ambition or jealousy. Just being distracted. Never being satisfied. And you're cluttering your soul in your life. I'm going to speak a blessing over you. I'm going to ask you to open up your hands toward heaven. Lord, today in the name of Jesus Christ, I break the the spirit of comparison over my new song family. Lord, I pray that in this day that they would keep their eyes on you. And not only in this day, but in every single day to come, that they would simply focus their eyes on you. May we have an all eyes on Jesus attitude. May we live a life where our eyes are on the author and the finisher of our faith. That we are truly content, grateful for your blessings. So Father, right now, 
I pray that a spirit of praise, a spirit of worship, a spirit of gratefulness would break out in, in our new song family, that we would live lives of contentment, that we would live lives of gratitude, worshiping you for the goodness of our God, knowing that every good and perfect thing comes down from the Father of lights who loves us so very, very much. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for gifting us with things that we don't deserve, but they all come from you. And I break the lie of the enemy that says we produced any of that on our own because as your word declares, why would we boast about things that you've given us? Our boast is in you. Our help is in you. Our hope is in you. Our peace is in you. Our satisfaction is in you. Lord, I pray for my new song family. Declare over them that you would give them wisdom and understanding concerning the goodness, the faithfulness, and the generosity of our Heavenly Father. And may we worship you in spirit and in truth all of the days of our life. So in this day, I break the spirit of comparison in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that today, say a very big amen. And could we put our hands together for the ones who gave their life to Jesus this morning? So proud of you. Love you guys so very, very much. We got about 13 minutes before the next service comes in. But that doesn't matter. You can hang outside in the lobby, in the parking lot, as long as you want. Make a friend. Be sure to invite somebody next week. Don't come alone. One invitation can change a life, everybody. God bless you. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.